You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Adam, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It's really great to have you on the program today. Brian, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I have a quote that I want to read that we're definitely going to dig into right up front here. And then I'm going to ask you to please share your backstory, which is pretty amazing. And it's this, anyone from anywhere in any past can go on to become exactly what they are created to be. So please, Adam, share a bit about yourself and let's have a convo. So it was September 28th, 2008, and I'd been out drinking and partying like most nights of my freshman year of college when I woke up to my phone ringing and vibrating down by my leg that read 4.47 a.m. and my best friend Chucker was calling me. And I remember having the conscious choice that I could either answer the phone like I always do with, hey, what's up, Chuck? Or I could answer the way I was feeling with, ugh, hello? And in my still drunken state, I chose the latter, to which a soft voice replied, hey, what's up? Why are you calling me this late? I was just calling to say hi. Don't call me this late again. And I hung up on him and he shot himself. Oh, man. To this point in my life, I began using drugs, drinking, having fun. I was introduced to cocaine at 12 years old at a very young age. But this whole time from 12 until that incident, I looked at drugs and alcohol as a way to have fun, a way to party. In that age range, I was also able to be the home run derby hitter at the Little League World Series. I won state wrestling in Little League. I was an all-state wrestler in high school and an all-state football player in high school at Columbine High School and was the captain of my of my senior year state championship football team. But during this whole time, I'm drinking, I'm partying, I'm using drugs for fun. But when that when that experience happened, I was no longer drinking and using drugs to have fun. I remember having a conscious choice and a conscious understanding that I needed these to cope with life now. When things happened, emotional things happened that I can't handle, I turned to drugs and alcohol. And I wasn't able to tell anybody about that phone call for eight years. Wow. I kept it in silence and he was my best friend. So all these people are consoling me and, you know, I'm so sorry about Chuck, Adam, and, you know, hugging me and, and inside it's eating me alive. It was my fault. This is my fault. You know, I could have done something different and I couldn't tell anybody. So I'm starting to hide. I'm starting to reclude from connecting, like genuinely connecting with people because I have this deep, dark secret. And the addiction went on for a while. Like I said, about eight, nine years after that, it got worse and worse and worse. I, by the end of my addiction and for really the last six, seven years of my addiction, I was an IV drug user, heroin, uh, meth. And I tried crack once for about two months because you don't, you don't just try crack once. So I have this understanding that there's no drug that I haven't been addicted to, which at this point in my life, I'm extremely grateful for, because you'll notice that like a heroin addict will tell a crack addict, like you have no idea what it's like to be addicted to heroin because of the withdrawals or a meth addict will say to a heroin addict, you have no idea what it's like. And what I've been gifted with is the ability to tell anyone from anywhere and any addiction 
that you can recover mm. and you can make a life for yourself. Where did things go after the eight-year addiction and running from this pain of feeling responsible for your friend's suicide? I ended up sharing the story of that phone call really randomly with a drug dealer for the first time, the truth about it. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I shared that with him, I began to be able to be honest. It's a really, a really weird sensation of lying about a story for so long and then telling one person the truth about this hidden dark secret. And then it's like a snowball. Then I'm like, okay, then I start understanding more as I'm telling more and more people and and being honest about it, calling friends that, you know, were friends with Chuck and telling them the truth because I felt like I, you know, I needed to. Mm-hmm. And everybody received it really well. And and you know, it's not your fault. Chuck was struggling the whole time and it was a release for me. It still took me after sharing it for the first time, it still took me like two years to actually get clean. But I I believe like looking back that that was a really pivotal point of my addiction and my ultimate freedom was the time that I shared my deep, dark secret. I did end up being found November 6th of 2015. I was in Laurel, Montana, and I just visited my girlfriend and was leaving her aunt's house and uh, parked around the corner and I was lying about my drug use at the time. Nobody, I mean, I tell myself nobody knew, but I'm sure everybody knew. But I go around the corner and I make up a, a shot of what I thought was heroin. And I put it in my arm. I get upset because I don't even feel anything. So I actually like get upset. I'm like, oh, I got some bunk stuff and put the car in drive. And the next thing I know, I am waking up on the asphalt in a pile of glass, blue and red lights everywhere, police and paramedics around me. And at this, my first thought was, oh my gosh, this is my fault. I never blamed anybody or anything. I never had anybody else to blame except for myself for my addiction. I was very blessed growing up. But that incident, about six months later, I actually had to watch on a 52-inch television screen in front of my face in a courtroom the body cam footage of the police finding me dead behind the wheel of a car from a fentanyl overdose. And I had to watch this video of them breaking in and pulling me out and my eyes are wide open, but there's no spirit there. They can't find a pulse. They can't find breath. And, and my eyes are looking right into the camera, right into my soul in that courtroom. And I have a glimpse of what it would be like for me to be dead in front of other people. And all these thoughts start coming through me like, oh my gosh, I am, I am wasting my life. I'm losing it. I have, and that incident still wasn't enough to get me clean. Really? I still used for two more years. I I ended up getting a felony for drug possession, which is a whole other topic about, okay, I'm super sick, obviously, and I get a felony for personal use drugs, but I get put on probation and I'm honest with my probation officer the whole time. Like I get to a point where like, I can't stop using, I can't pass a UA. I'm 86th from the homeless shelter. So I literally can't even stay at the homeless shelter at this point. And I'm going to my probation officer asking him to, to put me in jail, put me in prison because I can't stop. You're literally asking him to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, it's not, it's not good for you. It won't be good for you. He's trying to get me in treatment. Treatment centers are turning me down because of some, because I'm from Colorado. So Montana can't let me in or some 
it's just, it was a really, really, really tough time trying to get clean. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to NA meetings, I'm going to AA meetings, and I'm going to all these different fellowships, and I'm going to church twice a week, I'm going to Bible study every Tuesday, and I can't get it, can't get it. I, I'm about 212 pounds right now, and you know, I work out, I'm looking okay. And at the time I'm 148 pounds. Wow. So I am, I am nearly dead. And it gets to this point where, um, I have nothing and I'm sitting in this car that this girl let me borrow, uh, before Bible study. And I'm sitting in this car and I just have this decision and I sit back in the seat and I audibly tell God, I'm like, I'm done, God, I'm not going to this Bible study. I'm not going to church. I'm not going to these meetings anymore. Not going to probation. None of it. Please, God, just let me die. Please just let me die. And right when I said that, I heard his voice and it it like wasn't audible. And for some people, it's audible. For some people, it's it's how I explain it, where I actually felt the words go through my head and and land in my heart. I felt them. Mm -hmm. And he whispered to me, he said, it's time, go. And when he said it to me, my first reaction was anger because I didn't believe him. Like what's different about this time? I've been trying for eight, nine years to get clean. I've thrown heroin in the toilet saying, I'm swearing it off. I'm never using it again. Go to sleep, wake up in the morning and call the dope man. Yeah. I've been going over this over and over and over and over. So I'm, I'm yelling at him. I'm crying and I'm yelling at him in this car and I'm hitting the steering wheel and I'm hitting the roof and I'm saying, what's different about this time? God, please just let me die. Please just let me die. And I'm crying and I'm crying because I genuinely do not want to go on anymore. I can't live like this anymore. And this is going on for, for a few minutes. And then he just repeats himself. He lets me get all that out. And he just repeats himself in that still small voice. And he says, it's time go. And at that, at that moment, I didn't get this like overwhelming Holy Spirit power filled uh, moment that said, I'm going to go get clean. But what I got was a total and complete willingness that I had never had before. It was like, okay, whatever you say, I'll do. And it was like a total surrender in that moment. And I went to that Bible study. I busted in the doors. I'm 12 minutes late. They're all in the middle of prayer. And I drop down on my knees and I throw my hands up. I said, guys, please help me. I can't stop. I can't stop using. I used again. Please help me. Please help me. And you have to imagine, like, I've been going to this Bible study every single Tuesday for months Mm -hmm. and they know, you know, so this isn't something new to them. But the difference of that time that I remember personally for me was that I wasn't throwing my hands up to that fellowship. I wasn't throwing my hands up to a church or a pastor, or a Bible study, or a 12-step meeting. I was throwing my hands up in total surrender to God, asking God, please help me. I can't do this without you. And so my my best friend, who's the Bible study leader, Brendan, comes over, he calls me now. He's like, hey, bro, let's just get through Bible study, you know? And uh, we get through Bible study. And at the end, one of the elders, Carmen, uh, comes up to me and he's like, hey, bro, I, I just got a word. I need to, I need to pray for you. And during this whole time of my addiction of going to church, of going to Bible studies and doing all this, this is the first time that somebody did this. And he said, sit down on this ottoman. He sits me down on this ottoman in the middle of the room. Everybody left except for Carmen, George, who's another elder, and then Brendan, who's my best friend, who's uh, leader of the Bible study. And Carmen puts his hand on my shoulder, looks me in the eyes, 
and starts speaking to spirits that he sees in me, starts speaking to anxiety, depression, addiction, occult. He starts praying over these things. And I'm actually legitimately feeling these things come off of me. Wow. I'm feeling weight come off of my chest, weight come off of my shoulders. And my vision is getting clear. It's it's a really intense moment. And I haven't drank alcohol or used a drug since that moment. That's amazing. Since that moment. Five days later, I'm sitting at IHOP, International House of Pancakes, with Brendan. And he's taking he took me out to breakfast. And it's amazing for me at the time to have five days clean. It's a like it's a miracle for using those kinds of drugs to have five days clean. So I'm super excited. I'm talking to Brandon and I'm like, dude, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get clean and this and that. And then I get a text message on my phone. I just have this little flip phone and I open it up and it's from my dope dealer. He's like, Hey bro, I just got some new stuff. It's fire. I'll give you a free 20 to try out. And right when I read that, I felt the spirit enter in through the top of my head, all the way through my body. My toes were tingling. My fingers were tingling. I lost my peripheral vision. So all I could see was the phone. And then my thumbs just started texting back. And it was like, it was in like King James. It was like, ye shall not text me again. Thou hast texted me for the last time. It was going crazy. And then really, yeah. And then at the end of the text, it said, and fear the pain you cause your son because your son has been blessed with the Holy Spirit. And then I feel the spirit leave me. I was like, (laughs) what the heck? And And I'm looking at this phone because it's like, it's weird. It's a weird text message. And I'm reading it. And then I show it to Brandon. I was like, dude, that was not me. That was not me, dude. I don't know what that was. He reads it. He's like, okay. And you have to imagine someone who's not experiencing all of this and me saying that wasn't me. I didn't write that. Yeah. And then I push send. I close the phone and I'm putting it in my pocket. I'm in the middle of a sentence looking down at my pocket. And then I come back up and I look up and Jesus is sitting across from me. The entire restaurant had completely disappeared. All I could see was Jesus in front of me. There was a glow coming from behind him and he was smiling. I was in the middle of a sentence. I immediately, it was, it was a split second, immediately knew who he was, immediately knew what was happening. And I fell with my face to the table and my hand up. I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I came back up and he was gone. Here's the interesting part. That experience absolutely 100% changed my life, but he did not in that moment lift the obsession to use drugs and alcohol. He didn't miraculously take away withdrawal, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which I believe that he can. A hundred percent, I believe that he can. But what it did was he showed me how close and how with me and how for me he was. And after that, I felt him call me to do the 12 steps, not not involve myself with any specific fellowship or anything like that. But it it talks in the Bible. If there is a if there is a law that has been written that can impart life, we should follow it. And the 12 steps have worked for so many addicts and so many alcoholics that I went at them as if my life depended on it. And I did my fifth step on day 25, which is where you like do your confession and like look for your character defects and things like that. And on day 26, my sponsor came and picked me up in his 1983 mailman Jeep. And uh, we're driving to the movie theater that he managed to go in the basement and do the work. And I'm looking over at this beautiful sunrise. And for the first time since I was 12 years old, I had no desire to drink or use. It had been completely lifted, completely lifted. Amazing. And on day 30, I had never had 30 days clean and sober since I was 12 years old. Um, On day 30, 
I still have the journal from that day too, because I'm keeping a journal this whole time. I'm like, God, I can't believe I got 30 days. I made it. I made it 30 days. It would be amazing if I didn't smoke cigarettes anymore, God. And I haven't had a drag of a cigarette since day 30. November 6th of 2019, which is my, which was my two-year clean and sober mark, I published my first book, my autobiography, From Chains to Saved, One Man's Journey Through the Spiritual Realm of Addiction, 21 short stories of spiritual experiences I've had from before addiction, during addiction, during recovery, and how I got clean. And that God has done things with that book that I could not have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no way I could have planned it. They've gone to other countries. They've gone into jails. And it's amazing what what every single one of our recovery stories can do for someone. There's at least someone that needs my story. And one more part that I get to add to add to this podcast, I was invited to speak in Billings, Montana for this, for this large worship event. There's 12 to 1500 people outside and I was the headline testimony share. And the next day after that, and it was like, it was broadcast live into the city and things like that. And the next day, the drug dealer from that day at that restaurant messaged me, reached out. He said that he saw me speaking and he reached out for connections to get help. And he sent me the screenshots of the text messages from that day Oh man! because <laughs> he still had them. Let me ask this. You said that in that moment you saw Jesus, he didn't take your addiction away at that moment. So you had to work through the 12 steps. Why do you suppose... That was your path. That's a that's a great question. I believe that we are co-laborers, and I believe that I don't know if I would have had the rewarding feeling that I have of my sobriety, and I don't know if I would the amount of work that I've put in to be sober over four years now and be clean over four years now. It's it's a huge accomplishment to me, and I'm I'm grateful for that. And I think that he taught me in that moment that all things are possible with him because it says that Philippians 4:13 says I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me so it doesn't mean that he can't do it it means that he gives us the power to do it and it's not just get sober it's not just get clean it's sit down and write a book it's sit down and, and finish your digital course it's start this business it's you know we have to go out into the field we have to go out into the harvest. God needs us to go help other people also. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think that he was showing me that all the steps to take are right in front of us, right in front of me. And he is with us every step of the way. And his love has never changed from, from before I was addicted to when I was sticking a needle in my arm against my own will to now being clean and sober and helping people. His love for me has never grown or or shrunk. He's never looked at me in condemnation. None of that. His love for me has never changed. And he's always been there. And the steps that I need to take are always going to be right in front of me. I'm going to seize on that word co-labor. Uh, very key point, obviously, in your walk with him and doing life with him, right? Yeah, absolutely. Someone listening to this may be thinking, I would love to know what steps to take next. What would you say to somebody who's totally at a loss as to what steps to take? This little practice works for anybody. If you if you are trying to get sober, the steps are the steps to take. I, I really suggest that. But in life, looking for the next step to take in life, 
when you wake up in the morning, and this is a this is a practice that I actually keep accountable with a friend of mine. First thing upon awakening, right when you open your eyes, do not look at your phone, do not do not talk to somebody or something like that. Sit up and in your mind, think of the day ahead of you. Think of what you need to do. Think of the tasks you have in front of you. Think of the people you're going to meet, things like that. And then ask God, what else do you have for me? And then just sit and listen for even two, three minutes in the morning. And some mornings you will get profound answers, profound answers. Some mornings he'll just let you go about your day. But the key to finding the next steps to take is taking the first one. Because usually with God, almost always with God, he gives you one step at a time. We have to step in faith. Yeah. When he gives us a step to take, we have to take that step. We can't question it, you know, just step out in faith, take that step. And then all of a sudden that will open up a much bigger window. At the beginning of our conversation, I read a quote, and I'd like to circle back to that, Adam. And that is, anyone from anywhere in any past can go on to become exactly what they are created to be. Why do you say that? Well, Genesis 50.20 says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, for what is being done now, the saving of many lives. Wherever we come from, I went through homelessness, IV drug addiction. God didn't put me through that. I do not believe that God put me through drug addiction, but I believe that I am able to step into my identity in Christ now, and he's going to use everything of my past to turn it to good, to save other people's lives. And me personally, I've been to the, the bottom of the bottom. And now I've, I've got a number one best-selling book. I'm working on a second book. I'm speaking around the country. You know, I've got a digital course. I'm on podcasts with people. If you knew me four and a half years ago, you would not be thinking I'm doing any of this. Sure. You know? Yeah. I believe with everything in me that you listening to this right now, someone else out there is counting on you. Someone that you that you haven't even met yet will either find Jesus through you, will find hope after a divorce, will find hope after loss of a business or loss of a child. There's your story, what you have been through will be someone else's hope. Mm -hmm. And everything that we've been through in the past, we have to look at it as an asset, but we don't have to go back there. We can allow ourselves to step into the identity of Christ and who he created us to be righteous, washed in his blood, blameless, you know, all of these things. What's the consistent overarching advice that you tend to give people? Do what needs to be done. I believe that everybody knows what they're called to do. I believe everyone knows what the next step is. It's key to take that next step. And the advice is take the next step. And the advice that I have to constantly keep with myself you know, that I, that I give, but I, but I give myself more than I give other people is take that step with God, every step. Like, God, what do you think of this step? God, what do you think of this step? God, how about this? God, how about that? It says, commit to the Lord all that you do and your plans will succeed. It doesn't say commit the morning to God and your day will go well. So I think the best advice for myself to hear, as I say it, is take God in every single step. Because that's it's the most powerful place to be. 
How can people find out more about you, Adam, and your books? You can go to recoveredonpurpose.com. My book's available on Amazon also from Chains to Saved. If you go to recoveredonpurpose.com, you subscribe at the bottom. I send you a free digital copy and the audio book of my book from Chains to Saved. And uh, if you or a loved one is in recovery and you have a powerful story, a powerful testimony of recovery, my new digital course is, is out. Recovery speaker, share your story powerfully. So when you subscribe to get the book and the audio book, I'll send you the details for the digital course as well. So you're helping people that have recovered to share their story with the world. Yes. I believe that is the number one asset of people in drug addiction are people in recovery sharing their stories so that people in addiction know it's possible. And what does that do for the person sharing the story? It is an absolute relapse prevention system because if you are if you're sharing your story and you're watching people recover because you're sharing your story, you have this purpose. You have this, you have this reason to not use again. I can't use drugs right now. I can never drink alcohol or use drugs. That takes away everything I'm doing. And a lot of lives are at stake, I believe. Every single person with a recovery story, when you start sharing your story, you will have experiences of people's lives changing because of it. So as that happens, you start realizing how valuable you are. A lot, of, a lot of people in addiction, they lose their sense of value. And when you start seeing how incredibly valuable your recovery story is, you don't ever want to stop telling it. That's so good. Any other thoughts you'd like to share before you pray for our listeners? You know, I, I encourage anyone listening to this right now. It's time right now. That thing that you've been waiting to do, that 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 exercise program you've been waiting to do, that book you've been waiting to write, that uh, friend you've been wanting to make amends with and, and reconcile with, it's time to give them a phone call. That business you want to start, it's time. And you have all the backing of the Holy Spirit, all of it. If you have the thing that you're thinking about right now, that's God telling you it's time. Yeah, I feel that. As we finish up here, if you would, please pray, Adam, I'd appreciate it. Holy Spirit, we just come before you and we thank you, God, that we can use technologies to further uh, your word, to further uh, your purpose on this planet, God, that we're able to come together and do a podcast and, and talk about my, my lowly testimony and, you know, of what, of the goodness that you have done in my life and how many people are able to find this message and find you, God. Uh, we thank you that everyone listening right now has received a seed in their own life, God. And I ask God that you would begin a new work, that that thing that you spoke over them for them to start doing. God, I ask for you to uh, make a way, make a highway of that way. Your burden is is light and your yoke is easy, God. And I just ask that you would fulfill on that as they step into that new thing that they're doing, God. Um, and Lord, for anyone listening that that wants a deeper connection with you, God, God, I ask that you would show them a new relationship, a new form of communication, God, as they draw near to you, draw near to them in a new way. Show them, give them an idea of some kind of practice to get closer to you, whether it's having a date night with you where they go out to dinner just with you and have a conversation with you, God, or if they if they clear off the passenger seat in their car and just have a conversation with you, God, Jesus, I just ask that you would give them the idea that would get them closer to you. 
And Jesus, for anyone listening that hasn't yet given their life over to you, that hasn't yet found or had the opportunity to give their life to you, Jesus, I just want to give that opportunity right now. If you're if you're listening to this right now and you haven't yet given your life to Jesus and you feel that stirring inside of your heart that it's time, I just encourage you to follow along with this prayer. We just come before you, Jesus, and we say thank you. Thank you for coming down and becoming man with us to, to show us the way, God, to show us your love for us, and God, to ultimately save us, Lord, from from the wickedness of the world, and God, from the sins that hold us back. Thank you for dying on the cross, God. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And God, thank you for showing us the possibilities of life by raising from the dead three days later, God, so that we can die to ourselves and raise with you, Jesus, that we have a new identity. We believe, God, that you are the son of God. You are the one true God and that we have salvation in you and eternity with you. And we thank you so much for this. We ask you to come into all of our hearts in a new way, in a profound way, in a deeper way, God. And we thank you for fulfilling on this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Adam, thank you. So powerful. I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.